Hello and welcome to Cannabis Grand Rounds, a production by physicians with advanced degrees in cannabis medicine. Your hosts, Dr. Lee Van Oker, Dr. Les Matthews, and Dr. Hal Altman, will offer unbiased medical cannabis education for healthcare providers and the motivated public. Our content is selected with the objective to fully explore cannabis as science and medicine and pledges to reflect current cannabis knowledge with no hidden agenda nor sponsorships. Hello and welcome back to Cannabis Grand Rounds. My name is Dr. Hal Altman. I'll serve as your host today. Our guest is Dr. Tiffany Buckley. Dr. Buckley uh, has her PharmD from the University of Maryland School of Pharmacy. She's board certified in pharmacotherapy and is a specialist in psychiatric pharmacy as well. Welcome back, Dr. Buckley. Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. So in the last podcast, we talked a little bit about cannabis and the ECS and uh, their roles, potential roles in the consideration of psychiatric disorders. Today, we want to focus on cannabis and psychosis. And I think we can agree that there's a tremendous amount of controversy about cannabis and psychosis ranging from whether or not cannabis actually is a causative factor in the development of psychosis versus the potential role of cannabis as a therapeutic tool in the treatment of psychosis. Um, So we look forward to to sort of uh, talking a little bit about the controversy and better understanding psychosis and uh, cannabis and specifically THC's role. To that end, what can you tell us about cannabis and psychosis, Dr. Buckley? Yes. So this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart. I actually work in a maximum security psychiatric hospital where most of our patients do have treatment resistant forms of psychosis. And so many of them, when they come in and we're doing that initial screening, they do say that they used a a lot of cannabis. This is definitely something that I'm super excited to talk about. But before I kind of dive into that, I'd just like to spend a second just talking about what I mean when I say psychosis and a little bit about the pathophysiology. So psychosis is going to be characterized by those disease states where we're seeing hallucinations. So those can be any of the five senses, but based on that sensory input that other people aren't aware of, but our patients are experiencing, as well as those delusional beliefs, which are fixed beliefs that aren't based in cultural reality or our typical norms. So this disease carries a ton of disability with it. And even though it only affects about 1% of the population, we spend so much in terms of just uh, disability payments to make sure that patients with schizophrenia are taken care of. When we talk about schizophrenia, there are multiple theories about what potentially causes schizophrenia, but the matter of the fact is right now, we don't truly know the cause. It's unknown and it's multifactorial. We do have the 
dopamine hypothesis, which is that due to abnormal levels of dopamine in the specific mesolimbic part of the brain, so the part of the brain that is going to be involved in emotion, that elevated levels of dopamine there can cause, well, are associated with psychosis. Um, so those hallucinations and delusions. Where the endocannabinoid system comes into this is that there is a large amount of literature out there that does show from observational studies that patients who have a high risk for psychosis, as well as smoke high potency THC on a more chronic continual basis, so daily use, maybe multiple times a day, there's an association with them then becoming psychotic. There is some study data out there that shows that when participants are given doses of THC, they can have acute psychotic episodes. But when I'm talking about psychosis here, I'm talking about more of a long-standing disorder that forms. The theory behind, and we see it in a possible dose-related relationship. So the theory of how the endocannabinoid system is involved is called the cannabinoid hypothesis of schizophrenia. And that is based on the fact that THC, which is a partial agonist at the cannabinoid one receptor, if it is continuously there agonizing that receptor, then that continuous exposure can possibly lead to an upregulation in the endocannabinoid system. And that can potentially contribute to these lasting neurobiological changes that can increase the risk of developing schizophrenia, mainly by altering neurotransmitters, specifically ones involved with dopamine neurotransmission. So there's definitely a lot to unpack there. <laughs> well, that, that's very interesting. Um, and so what what we what I heard you say is that at least there are two important factors. Uh, one is family history, and the other is the potency of THC. And we all understand that THC concentrations have crept up remarkably over the last five to ten years for people uh, recreationally that are looking for, I guess, a more intense high. There's also uh, a theory that age plays a role in this. Can you speak to that? Yeah, great point. So one of the theories is that as the brain is developing, that if something like high potency THC is introduced during that developmental stage, phase that that can then alter how the endocannabinoid system is going to develop. And those alterations could then lead to issues with neurotransmission that then puts patients at a higher risk for then developing schizophrenia. So I just want to clarify that most of the studies that I'm talking about, they look at patients who are young who are using high potency cannabis 
and then look at the association with the development of schizophrenia. The reason that a lot of the studies look at young patients is because the thought is that their endocannabinoid system is still developing and then it's more sensitive to potential insults that could occur when they are consuming some high potency THC cannabis. So if we put all this together, uh, we put family history together with uh, high concentrations of THC at a young age, what should providers be screening for Uh, when it comes to potential treatment with medical cannabis? And specifically, uh, what are the psychiatric questions that providers need to ask? Great question. So we always want to be screening patients for those familial risk factors. So we want to ask about their parents' history of mental illness as well, just to see if there could be something there. If both parents have schizophrenia, there's a 40% risk of their child developing schizophrenia. So that's something we want to look for. There are also a number of other factors that are associated with schizophrenia that a lot have to do with how the child develops when they're originally being born. So it's important to ask things about even birth weight. Did they have a low birth weight? Did their mom have any medical problems while they were growing? And even things like urban residents or winter births are associated with a higher risk of schizophrenia. It's just important to note that not everyone who smokes cannabis will go on to develop a form of psychosis like schizophrenia, but it's something that we want to make sure that we're warning everyone about and just educating them about what psychosis is and to really minimize the amount of that really high potency THC cannabis that people are consuming. So Initially, when starting people on medical cannabis, I wouldn't recommend anything higher than 10 milligrams or so, so we can really try to assess the effects that the medicine is having on them. 10 milligrams of THC, regardless of the formulation. Of THC. And there are some studies to show that perhaps CBD with THC can kind of damper some of the effects, those psychiatric effects of the THC. So it's better for patients to have blends that are more balanced. Right. So uh, approximating equal amounts of THC and CBD. And we did talk a little bit about the stereotactic modulation of CBD. It's at at CB1 and the, the potential mitigation for agonism at that site. Okay, so if you take a look at all comers, uh, everyone that we would be prescribing medical cannabis with, what's the relative risk that patients are going to become psychotic? And I know that's a, that's a very difficult question because it's based on chemovar and all that sort of thing. But I I believe that there are studies that have looked at that. And then specifically, if you've got a first-degree relative who 
has a history of psychosis, what the risk is with cannabis with that population? Yeah, so hmm, definitely a hard question to answer because it's going to kind of depend on the study design there and kind of what they control for. But regular, I've seen statistics that state that people who regularly use cannabis or heavy cannabis users are two to four times more likely to develop psychosis if they have those risk factors. So it is a pretty big potential risk there. But most people are not at high risk for psychosis anyways. But we just want to make sure that we are using the lowest amounts possible to treat people so that we don't put anyone who might be at this risk and potentially switch them over into a psychotic disorder. And again, I think most of our listeners uh, like you are disciples of the evidence-based system to, to evaluate the potential of a therapeutic. We've said this before, we'll say it again, that because of the Schedule One status of cannabis, uh, we really do not have the gold standards of RCTs to be able to, to say with 100% certainty, confidence, whether or not cannabis is effective in some of these things. So again, as we successfully advocate and try to get cannabis rescheduled, that should open up the possibility of being able to do the definitive studies that would answer these questions. Yeah. And with these questions, there's a lot of, we're just looking at associations here, but there's a lot of confounders that could sway this data. There could be other information that is not being accounted for, for why these users are going on to develop psychosis. So we don't truly know if THC causes a psychotic disorder to develop. However, just based on this data that we see that there's an increased risk, we want to do whatever we can to try to mitigate that as we try to figure out more about what's actually causing this association. So to wrap this up, if we can, what's your advice to providers regarding educating patients about the benefits and harms of cannabis therapy for specifically for psychosis? For psychosis, I've we focus primarily right now on talking about the association with high potency THC and the outcome of psychosis. So it's just important to let people know that this is something that does exist and that if they start experiencing any symptoms of psychosis, they need to check in with their providers. So it's important for providers to start low and go slow. I would like to also emphasize, though, there is some data out there that shows that cannabidiol might actually have a benefit in treating psychosis. Would you like me to talk about that data a little bit? Please, yes. Okay. As we talked about, cannabidiol, it has a different, a whole range of different actions that we still haven't necessarily figured out all the way. But one theory is that it can potentially increase levels of anandamide in the body. And that could potentially be very beneficial 
for kind of treating psychosis, especially in the earlier phases. So there have been multiple studies that have been conducted. One that is a, a kind of a hallmark study was conducted in 2012 by, and it's called cannabidiol enhances anandamide signaling and alleviates psychotic symptoms of schizophrenia. What they found here was that cannabidiol was, um, they compared it to another antipsychotic and they gave patients cannabidiol and the other antipsychotic for 28 days. And these patients, when you look at the data, it's pretty, pretty compelling in terms of being able to reduce the severity of illness of positive and negative symptoms on, they looked at various different scales to do that. But unfortunately, oh, and CBD didn't have those same side effects that we would typically see with antipsychotics in terms of the EPS or the weight gain. But it's been difficult to replicate this study, partially because some of the other studies done have looked at different patient populations. But there is a potential that cannabidiol actually could have an antipsychotic effect. So I'm really interested to see as more studies emerge around that, if that could be something that we can use to in our arsenal to help treat this really debilitating disease state of schizophrenia. That's really fascinating. So what kind of dosages were they using for this? Do you remember? For this particular study, they used a cannabidiol intervention that was about 800 milligrams a day. So that is definitely a lot of cannabidiol, but I will also make the argument here that the this hasn't necessarily been confirmed, but the whole plant acts in synergy in a way. And if you just isolate the components, it's gonna act differently, requiring, you might need higher doses. So who knows what would happen if we actually had more of the whole plant with a primarily cannabidiol variety here. It might require lower doses, but this is a very high dose of cannabidiol. Well, again, fascinating because what we're doing is using the endocannabinoids rather than exogenous cannabinoids. I've heard Dr. McCollum uh, in, in his discussions talk about CBD as really being uh, sort of the new star in terms of therapeutics over the next five to 10 years as we learn more about it. And again, um, the attractiveness is the fact that we're uh, manipulating endocannabinoids rather than providing exogenous ones. That's fascinating, Dr. Buckley. Uh, anything else that we need to talk about concerning psychosis and cannabis before we sign off? Nope, I think that's it. Thank you so much. We appreciate your willingness to share your expertise with us. I'm going to invite you back uh, one more time to talk about some of the more common, I guess, psychiatric conditions that clinicians bump into, like anxiety and depression and sleep. We look forward to another great discussion with you, and thanks everybody for listening.
All information, material, and content on this podcast is for general informational and educational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for professional and or medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment by a qualified physician or healthcare provider. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and any materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. Cannabis Grand Rounds LLC does not offer personal health or medical advice. If you have a medical emergency, call your doctor or call 911 immediately.